This is Truth First, prospering sanctification for God's glory. This is episode three of the series on the greatest commandment, loving God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. In episode three, we're going to wrap up the first section on loving God with all our heart. And it's gonna focus on just the actionability of that. How, how can we love God with all our heart? And just checking ourselves, are we actually doing that? Um, just to, to bring it down and make it real. Um, so we'll talk about obedience, We'll talk about drawing near to God, spending time with Him, and we'll talk about giving God glory. And these are three very practical ways of living out loving God with all our heart. So again, it's uh, obedience, spending time with God, and giving Him glory. So first up then, obedience. It's um, fundamental to a relationship with God that we have obedience. Um, we are not our own, we belong to God and he paid a very, very handsome price for us so that we would be his. First uh, Corinthians chapter six, verses 19 to 20 say, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own for you were bought at a price, therefore, Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So we're going to talk about how all of that operates just day to day. And it really comes down to obedience. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So in essence, to be a Christian or for us to call ourselves Christian, it means a follower of Christ. And Christ is telling his disciples in Matthew 16 what that looks like. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Now I'm not gonna focus on what that cross is that we have to take up. I, I guess it's just you know the challenges and drudgery that comes with life. But I wanna focus on the denying ourselves to follow him. And denying ourselves is essentially where we are making a life choice to transform how we deem ourselves to not be our own, but belonging to God, and therefore fully come under Jesus Christ as our Lord. He is our Lord and our Savior. We can see how important it is in Scripture, obedience and loving God, they come so hand in hand that it almost seems that they are one and the same. John chapter 14 verses 15 through 24 say, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me, because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, 
is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own, they belong to the Father who sent me. So Jesus is making it absolutely paramount here, the relationship between obedience and loving God. And this whole series is on the greatest commandment, loving God. To love God is to obey God. Jesus re-emphasizes re that several times in John 14 through these verses 15 to 24. In fact, he's so much on a role in underscoring the relationship between love and obedience that when Judas asks him a question, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus completely ignores that question. And he continues with, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. It is that clear, and Jesus is very emphatic about it. It is a singular relationship. You could almost say they are causative relationship. If we love God, it causes us to obey God. D Dallas Willard, in his book, The Great Omission, talks about when Christians say that the Lord Christ is our Savior, but not maybe our Lord. You know, the, the Bible talks about making Christ our Lord and Savior, and many Christians just take Christ as our Savior. In other words, we pray the sinner's prayer, and we say that we do acknowledge that his blood sacrifice has, has covered our sins, and as such, we are able to go to heaven. The devil also believes that Jesus is the Son of God and his blood sacrifice is there for the redemption of sinners. So believing that and stating that is not what calls us out as Christians. We do need to do that, but to live as a Christian is to live as a Christ follower. And Jesus says, as we've seen in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself pick up his cross and follow me. So it's a simple relationship between we don't do what we want to do, we do what God wants us to do. That is what a Christian is. That is what a Christian does. Dallas Willard in his book, The Great Omission, I want to read uh, what he, he calls a vampire Christian. Uh, on page 14, quote, one in effect says to Jesus, I'd like a little of your blood, please, but I don't care to be your student or have your character. In fact, won't you just excuse me while I get on with my life and I'll see you in heaven? But can we really imagine that this is an approach that Jesus finds acceptable? End quote. Now, Dallas Willard doesn't answer the question here. Can we really imagine that this is an approach that Jesus finds acceptable? But I think the answer is, is clear. No, it's not an approach that Jesus finds acceptable. It is a Christian is not just acknowledging that we are sinners and we need the blood of Christ in order to get to heaven. 
being a Christian, a follower of Christ, is what Christ tells his disciples in Matthew 16, 24. Then deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. If we are not denying ourselves and choosing to obey God, then we seriously have to contend with the, with the notion that we might not actually be Christians. I want to read what I deem to be the scariest verses in the entire Bible. The, it's from Matthew chapter 7, and I'm going to read verses 21 through 23. And this is Jesus speaking. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I find those verses in Matthew chapter 7 utterly shocking, partly because it says that we are calling him Lord, Lord. I do call Jesus Christ my Lord. I acknowledge him as my Saviour and my Lord, and I do profess with my mouth that he is Lord. But so are these people that Jesus is calling out. Not everybody who says Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I'm glad he very quickly answers that because at my first reading of this, I'm like, well, I say, Lord, Lord, am I now in this group who won't enter the kingdom of heaven? And he says, but only those who, and thankfully he answers, does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So that's how we know whether we truly are Christians and not as Dallas Willard says, vampire Christians who use Christ merely to escape hell. We're using him to get a free ride to heaven where we pull our ticket on the day of supposed salvation and we lock it away in a safe box under lock and key until the day of her death and we go open the box, we pull out our ticket and we say, here I am, Lord, Lord. Now, I, I don't want to call anybody out for not being a Christian or say who is a Christian, who isn't. I don't know whether you're a Christian or not. I don't even know who's listening to this podcast. All I know is that I believe I am a Christian. And I can say that not just because I have prayed the sinner's prayer and acknowledged Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but because of what it's saying here in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, I don't believe I am part of the many. And it's not just a few, it's many. Verse 22 says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? So these people are even doing what looks like kingdom work. Casting out demons is surely kingdom work. Prophesying is surely kingdom work. Doing many miracles is surely kingdom work. And they're doing it believing in the power of Jesus Christ. They're casting out the demons, not of their own power. They're saying, in your name, we drive out demons. So they're acknowledging, they know that they cannot drive out demons of their own power. 
that is only through the power of Christ that they can do that. So they are believing in Christ. They are prophesying it with their mouth, Lord, Lord, yet they are not getting into the kingdom of heaven. Now that should make our spines shiver. Are we in this set of many who will say to him on that day, Lord, Lord, we have been doing this, that, and the other in your name. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Again, thankfully, he says how it is he knows us in verse 22. Verse 21, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So now that punts the question along, well, what is the will of my Father in heaven? We know what one of them is, the whole focus of this series, the greatest, the first commandment, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Are we doing at a minimum the greatest commandment? Are we loving God with all our heart? And that gets back to this one-on-one -on -one relationship of love and obedience. John 14 Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands. And verse 24, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. It's that simple. That's how fundamental obedience is in the kingdom of God. It is fundamental to us being Christians. And none of us should fool ourselves into thinking we are Christians if there is no evidence of obedience in our lives. That's a sobering thought and it's worth pondering over Matthew 7 verses 21 to 23 and beseeching the Holy Spirit to convict, am I obedient to you God? Am I denying myself to follow Christ. If we're not following Christ, we ought not to use the label Christian to describe ourselves. Obedience is the mark of loving God. Now I want to talk about drawing near to God and spending time with God. We have VIP access to the throne room since Christ has been sacrificed. And we need to use that VIP pass. And this isn't something that is reserved for in heaven. It happened the day we took Christ as our Lord and Savior. We're given that access into the throne room to worship God and to give God glory. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 to 22 say, therefore brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So we can enter in to the presence of God and we are called to be in the presence of God and to spend time with God. 
and it is richly rewarded. James chapter 4 verse 8, a very simple verse worth memorizing for those times like we saw David had in episode 2 where he didn't feel the presence of God. James 4 8 promises draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's a very short verse, easily memorized. It's, it's a good one to just keep in the back of your mind for when you want to draw near to God or you want him to draw closer to you. It will happen if you allow yourself to draw near to God. He will draw near to you. A similar verse in Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And again, we're seeing this language of the greatest commandment, all of your heart. God does not want pieces of us. He wants all of us. And to draw near him with all of our heart suggests that we have a sincere desire to meet with him and he will be found. You know, often we just don't take the time out to draw near to God. And I think that's a huge barrier in life today. I believe we all do have the time. We just choose not to take the time. There are lots of things that our time has to be divided with. We, we have to work to earn a wage, to buy food, to live life. Things have to be done that take time. There are a lot of things that we spend time doing that don't need to be done. Um, I, I know most of our phones now have screen time um, mechanisms where we can capture how many hours a day we're putting in our, into our screen time. And you know we can justify how important social media is and scrolling along on Facebook to see the family, stay connected with family. We can justify everything that we put our time towards. However, we ought not to justify not finding time to spend with God. God asks us to spend time with him. It's what we need to do. It is the manifestation of a Christian. And if we're not finding time to spend with God, well, we can go back to the first episode where we learned from David about prioritizing above all else the desire to sit with God in his sanctuary to behold his beauty. If we cannot find time in our day, every day, to sit at the feet of Jesus, there is something seriously wrong in our Christian walk. Maybe wrong enough that we need to contend with that question, are we truly a follower of Christ? Luke chapter 10 verses 38 to 42, it's a very familiar story. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. And Mary has chosen what is better and it will not 
be taken away from her. So Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus while Martha is up to her neck in the kitchen doing what people do in the kitchen. There's a crowd over. I don't know whether Jesus at this point has, has amassed quite a following. Is the house packed with people? I don't know. But there's enough there that Martha is feeling overwhelmed in the preparations that she feels has to be made. And Jesus is making it very clear. We can do without the food and the drink and the snacks. As important as they might be, there are other things that are much more important. And there's only one, th one thing that we actually need. And Mary is in that position, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Jesus again says, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. To sit at the feet of Jesus. There is fullness of joy in the presence of God. Psalm 1611 says, in your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We need to make the choice ourselves to either sit at the feet of Jesus or not. It says in the passage I read in Luke, Martha was distracted by all the preparations. We need to guard ourselves from being distracted by all the preparations. There are preparations every day that have to be made, but we need to be careful that we don't allow them to become so overwhelming that there is no time left for the one thing that truly matters, sitting at the feet of Jesus. So in wrapping up this section on loving God with all our heart, we've talked in this podcast about obedience and how it parallels loving God, how it is the critical underpinning to being a Christian, following Christ, and spending time with God. If we can get both of those things right and also pulling in what we talked about in podcast one and two, with making God our heart's desire as David so keenly sought to, to sit with God in his sanctuary and to behold his beauty. And in episode two, we looked at um, the process of purifying our hearts so that we could see God. If we go through those processes, we allow God to shape us, we pursue him as our heart's desire, and on a day-to-day -day basis, we just obey him and spend time with him. The end point of all of this ends with us giving him glory. We saw that last week in Psalm 150, a very short psalm where David was gushing praises to God when he was in his sanctuary beholding him. And that's ultimately what loving God looks like in addition to just the daily obedience and walk with him as a follower of Christ. Our lives will give God glory. That is our purpose here as a follower of, of Christ and as a lover of God. It is not a free ride to heaven. It's not an escape from hell. It's not to empower us 
in the calling we've got today. All of these things are important, but the whole point of us being created and having a love relationship with God is so that we can love God and worship him and give him glory. Psalm 28 verse 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart exults and with my song, I shall thank him. Psalm 57 7 says, My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises. And Psalm 100 verses 1 through 5 a psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. And I want to just close out this episode three with the same scripture that I closed out episode two, because we're talking about loving God with all of our heart, a full 100% pure heart before God. And I'm just going to close it out with Matthew 5a, one of the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God and seeing God is loving God. Father God, we thank you that you do call us into relationship with you. We thank you that you have provided your son, Jesus Christ, so that we are allowed access into the most holy place. Lord, I thank you that we can boldly walk in to that place through his sacrifice to sit at the feet of Jesus and to worship our God, the Father in heaven. Lord, I pray that you would continue to work in our hearts purity so that we can come closer and closer and closer to you, God. Lord, we look forward to the day where we see you in fullness. And Lord, we look forward to an eternity starting today of giving you all glory and honor and praise in the name of Jesus. Amen.